Jesus' name. You're watching us online. We thank you. Dozens and dozens and dozens of pastors and people keep telling me they watch this and they share what we do. I'm grateful that it can bless you. Now give me an offering. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not asking, I'm not trying to line my pockets. I want to do something for the kingdom. You obviously have confidence in what we're doing. Pastors don't support pastors. Give me some ammo as I travel across this country that I can talk about how pastors have treated this church. I've been supporting pastors for years in lots of venues. I expect to be retreated in kind, and I have been. So I'm, Jesus talked about a man visited his friend. He went to his neighbor and knocked on the door at midnight and said, I need some bread to feed this guy that came into my house. So you can get real bold when you're asking for someone else. I want to build a new temple in this city, and I want to have a footprint felt around the world. And so I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to help me. I need $7 million. That's nothing to God. God just anoint people. Years ago, we had a guy come to the church. He said, the pastor's been teaching that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, I want my cow now. <laughs> Jesus' name. Stand in honor of the word of the Lord. Thank you for being here today. Psalms 46 and verse 4. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. I'm going to teach you something that I really feel very strongly about that the Lord gave me this morning. I was very tired. I've been traveling all week. Very grateful the precious people of Mississippi that invited me, Brother Dylan, Jason, and his daddy. Thank you for the honor that you gave me this week. But uh, I, I, I was tired this morning, but I believe the Lord gave me something for you. I want to teach you on something called the revelation of the river. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> The Bible begins with a story of a river and two trees. Genesis 2 talks about a river that came out of Eden and on either side of the river were these trees. It always intrigued me that that's the same way that the Bible ends. In Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, this is what it says. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Wow. So now you don't just have one tree of life. You have two. Twelve different kinds of fruit on one tree every month. One place says you couldn't eat it. It doesn't mean you couldn't eat. It means you couldn't eat all of it. Because I, I live in Shelby Township or out by Washington, surrounded by vineyards and, or not vineyards, orchards. And um, in just a couple weeks, they're going to start picking apples. 
You pick apples in Michigan in September. But it's a one-time deal. You can pick these apples all year long. Every month it has apples, oranges, peaches, nanners, who knows what else. Twelve different kinds of fruit. Wow, what a tree. That's a lot of pruning. That's a lot of <clears throat> splicing. Very unique trees. Healing leaves. Twelve different kinds of fruit. And if that isn't coincident enough, not only does the Bible begin with the story of a river and two trees and end with the story of a river and two trees, right in the middle of the Bible is the story of a river and two trees. It's in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. In verse 1, it says this water, he saw water coming out of the house of God. Verse 5 talks about how as he waded into the water and progressively kept going. It kept getting deeper. Ankles, knees, waist. Then it says, waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. This is what it says in verse 12. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade. Neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months. Why? Because of the water that issued out of the sanctuary. Watch. The fruit will be for meat and the leaf thereof for medicine. It makes perfect sense when you read Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorner. Uh, I'm missing something. Counsel of the ungodly standeth. You know, he's, he's slowing down. You know, he was, <clears throat> he was walking. Then he stops walking. And now he's standing with these sinners. Then he's sitting down with the scorners. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Keep moving. And be careful who you listen to. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So the word jumps from the botanical world to the biological world. Where are the trees? In Isaiah 61, this is the message. This is the text. When you, when you read Luke 4, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible said he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't get any more Holy Ghost in the wilderness. He didn't pray through in the wilderness. He went into the wilderness with the Holy Ghost. He came out of the wilderness with the Holy Ghost. Didn't get any more Holy Ghost in the wilderness. But it does say this. He came out in the power of the Spirit. So it says he went to Nazareth. And as his custom was, Jesus was a regular churchgoer. As his custom was, he went to Nazareth. And he's 30 years old. He's just been publicly washed. He's going to be a rabbi 
The senior pastor brings him the scroll of the book of Isaiah, and he opens it to chapter 61. This is the text that Jesus read for his first sermon. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he uh, anointed me to preach good tidings to the to the poor, I think is what he said. One says meek. He has sent me to bound, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The next verse said he closed the book and he gave it, or to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the scroll, he gives it to the, to the pastor. Everybody's looking at him. All the eyes were on him. And Jesus stunned that crowd by what he said next. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. It doesn't mean much to people if you don't study that Bible, but in order to understand Isaiah or Luke 4, you have to go back to Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus quoted. And then you have to go back to Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25 gives us great detail about something known as the year of Jubilee. This is what it's referring to as the acceptable year of the Lord. It is obvious that the first year in the ministry of Jesus was a Jubilee year in the land of Israel. What was Jubilee? When the land was parceled out in the book of Joshua to those ten boys and two grandkids, and if that causes you a question, there is no piece of property known as Joseph, and there was no piece of property known as Levi. But there are two of them called Ephraim and Manasseh. These are the grandkids. These are Joseph's boys. So it's ten of Jacob's boys and two of his grandkids. This land is parceled out to what is known as the twelve tribes of Israel. It was then, and it still is, a big deal. I haven't bought a newspaper in a long time, but if I did buy one today, I promise you that somewhere in that newspaper, there's something about Israel today. Little piece of real estate about the size of Rhode Island, but it just, it it doesn't pop up. It just stays there. It's always somewhere in the news. The Lord knew that every now and then somebody was going to do something foolish and lose the family farm. It was embarrassing because um, there, there are something in the Bible known as a slave. There's something else known as a bond slave. Not the same thing. This is what it's referring to when it says the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Because there were people that got in such debt they had to go into basically a debtor's prison, and until somebody paid the debt off, they're not getting out, which, how you gonna get out to work if you're in prison? Somebody's gonna have to be your kinsman redeemer. And um, the Lord put this provision in his law. Every 50 years is a jubilee year. It was a whole year. This is the 14th of August. If this was a jubilee year, there would be people, they may have lost the farm 23 years ago on August the 14th. There may have been other people that lost the farm on 15 years ago on August the 14th. Didn't matter. Across Israel and in multiple places, 
all year long. Somebody was rejoicing because they were getting back the family farm. It was a great year. Jubilee is a very unique thing because it, it, it was probably going to, there, there are some things in the Bible that are probably, that, not probably, they only happened one time. There's just one Calvary. That's why Moses got in trouble. Just um, Esau, the Bible said, sought it carefully with tears, but his daddy couldn't reverse engineer a blessing. He had given it to his brother. It's a one-time deal. Joseph brought those boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, to his daddy, hoping that daddy would put his right hand on Manasseh, which was the firstborn. Instead, it says he crossed his hands. And when Joseph opened his eyes in the middle of the prayer, to his horror, grandpa's right hand is on the wrong boy, he thinks. I don't have time to teach you that it's the second birth that's the birth of promise. It was not just... Isaac, it was Ishmael first and then Isaac. It wasn't Jacob, it was Esau and Jacob. On and on I can go. It was not just Ephraim, it was Manasseh first and then Ephraim. It's the second birth. It's the birth of promise. And so it was just a a wonderful time of rejoicing that they would get back what they had lost. But if Jesus would have read One more verse. It says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then this is what it says in Isaiah 61 and verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Just leave that verse up there for a moment, Matthew. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it compares two mountains, Sinai and Zion. It says you haven't come to Sinai, but you have come to Zion. It says, which is the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And then it goes on to say, it's the church of the firstborn. I believe they're synonymous. I believe the church is Zion. And another way you can prove this is in Galatians chapter 4, Paul said, Jerusalem, which is above. So the only thing that I know that's above is air or the Heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem which is above or the heavenly Jerusalem or the church is free which is the mother of us all. He is our father. The church is our mother. It's a really sad day folks when people are mourning in Zion. Because Isaiah said when Zion travails children are born. Mountains can't do this. I was there when my daughters were born. My wife was not playing Sudoku. It went like this. Ah! (laughs) I preach sometimes. People visit here. Then they'll leave and there'll be some well-intentioned person say, oh, they weren't hungry. I don't ever look at it like that way. I don't think it's the duty of the sinner to to, to travail. I think that's the duty of mom. I think that's the job of the church. I think we're supposed to travail and that's why people ought to very easily get the Holy Ghost. When I was a kid, they had something known chronic seekers. I was there years ago in a camp meeting in West Virginia when a man that I deeply respected named Billy Cole came after being a missionary in Thailand for many years. 
And he said, I want every chronic seeker that's been seeking the Holy Ghost for more than a year to come up here. And to my recollection, there were 32. He brought chairs out and he said, I want you to sit in these chairs. Billy called it apostolic, not apostolic, apostolic. He said, we're going to function apostolic today because the Bible said they were filled with the Holy Ghost where they were sitting. <laughs> that started messing with them old preacher's heads. <clears throat> You've been praying, many of you, for years for the Holy Ghost. Bible said, why tarry us now? We call it, we're going to go up and tarry, which means wait. Well, Jesus told him to go to Jerusalem and tarry and wait for the promise. But the promise came. Holy Spirit was poured out. And that's why later on, probably Acts 8, it says, you don't need to tarry now. Why tarryest thou now? Rise. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Billy just went down the road, boom, and all 32 of them got the Holy Ghost. Every one of them, bam, 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 spoke with tongues. It messed with them old preacher's heads. Oh, did he. You cannot believe the opposition that he received. But I credit Billy Cole with cracking an old, we call it heritage tradition. <laughs> Some of it we don't need to hang on to. Billy Cole just cracked that thing like a walnut that day. And fortunately, Pentecost has never gone back. Thank God. And uh, I saw people leave church after praying week after week after week. Couldn't get the Holy Ghost. Said, it's not for me. Very sad. Church's job. Church's job. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. I've seen Pentecostals for years. I've said they look like seven mother-in-laws moved in with them. Just, I've seen churches where I'd go to preach and they just, oh, my wife and I were in a church like that one time, somewhere between the North Pole and the South Pole. When I get done preaching, the preacher, the pastor would lay on the floor, just lay on the floor, and he'd just go, oh, God. So everybody in the church laid on the floor. Oh, God. I was young. I didn't have any better sense. I just got up and said, would you please stand up? For goodness sakes, would you people please stand up? Lift up your head. Lift up your voice. And let's make our request done with thanksgiving. Not with moaning and groaning and mourning, for goodness sakes. It didn't go over so well. But I was right. You know, everything you've got is burned down. Great. I, I read something last week. It deeply affected me. I may be preaching to somebody right now that, that it's never going back to the way that it was, okay? It just isn't. I'm sorry. It will affect you, but it doesn't mean to infect you. It doesn't need to destroy you because this is what the word says. Everything I got, I just got ashes. And the Lord said, let's make a trade. You got ashes, I got beauty. I'll trade you my beauty for your ashes. You, 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 you have, you know, a spirit of heaviness. I got a garment of praise. How about you take off your heaviness and put on my praise? How about you doing that? That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. I'm convinced we're the trees, see? Mark chapter 11, Jesus cursed a tree that 
didn't have any figs or said the time of figs was not yet. This is what it says. There was nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. There are trees, ladies and gentlemen. Trees that are mentioned here. These kind of trees with these healing leaves and all this fruit. Isaiah one time said in chapter 37 and verse 31, he said, get root down and then you can bear fruit up. If you want the gifts and the fruit of spirit in your life, you're going to have to get a base. You're going to have to get, a, you're going to have to get some roots. Okay. These kind of trees, these, these healing trees, these trees that have all this fruit, they don't just grow anywhere. These kind of trees grow by a river. They don't grow by placid streams and quiet ponds. These kind of trees are not possible in a church unless people are willing to put very deep roots down very close to the river. I, I believe I can prove that there's at least two million people that came out with Moses. I'll give you my thought process. There's a book in the Bible called Numbers. In Numbers chapter one, it numbers, it gives a figure of how many men over the age of 20 are eligible to serve in the military. And at the end of that chapter, in verse 46, it says there were 603,550 men over the age of 20. We have no idea how many men there were under the age of 20. There's no mention of how many women or girls there are. There's no mention of how many were in the tribe of Levi because the Levites were never to be numbered. I'm convinced you got 600,000 men over 20, let's say, you know, you got a couple hundred thousand under 20. Uh, how many women were there there? If you got one per one, you're, you're getting way past a million and a half now. And then I don't know how many people were in the tribe of Levi. I think you're pretty close to at least two million. Some people think there were six. At the minimum, I think there was two million. You're looking at a city the size of Houston, Texas. So, you've got water at the Red Sea. And then... It said they went three days journey. They had great Sunday night church, time for Wednesday night Bible study, and they're angry. <laughs> they went three days journey. This is the place known as Merah. This is where Moses cut down a healing tree and threw it in the water, and that water was made potable and drinkable, as many of you could experience in the last day or so. But the next mention of water is from the rock. They're complaining. They're very good at murmuring. We should have gone back to Egypt. And they said, oh, the leeks and the garlics. 
That's a lot of bad breath, ladies and gentlemen. That's all they could remember. I could remember the, the onions, could remember the stinky breath. Boy, we forget just how rotten it was in bondage sometimes. We really do. <laughs> so you tell me when Moses hit that rock and that water starts coming out, what is your mental model of the volume of water that came out of that rock? Was it a drip? Was it a seep? Was it a quiet little trickle? You're dealing with two million people here, ladies and gentlemen. And that doesn't include their cattle, their goats, their sheep. That's a lot of water. Millions of gallons just to fix that. I read something one time, you know, when they went across the Jordan, the Bible said that the water stopped and stayed. And it just like put a wall up there and everything else ran away and they went across on dry ground. One thing that I read said, you needed a breach two and a half miles long. It took them from morning to night to get across Jordan. That's a lot of people. Just a throng, two and a half miles wide for 12 hours walking across that river. And let me tell you about this river. There's no other mention of water between the water that came out of the rock and finally coming to Jordan. There's no water mentioned in the Bible. Except when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I would not that you would be ignorant, brethren, how that all our fathers, all of our fathers, they were under the cloud, passed through the sea. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual meat. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that rock that followed them. Please notice what it says. The rock was Christ. But look how rock is spelled. R is capital. This is not just any old rock. Just like Malachi when he referred to the son of righteousness, S-U-N, but it's capital S. We know it was Messiah. This says in the book of Corinthians 10, it just says the rock was Christ. I wonder when Stephen was preaching, he said he called Israel the church in the wilderness. No wonder this one says, everything happened unto them, for example, is unto us. Don't you get it? I've been teaching you on Wednesday, the gospel according to Moses. Hmm. This is a rock that's in the Old Testament, but it's Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus. Now listen with revelation to these verses. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end with the same story. He died, he resurrected, he left. Later on in Revelation, John sees the resurrected Jesus. 
His shining hair, feet like molten brass, wrapped in gold. One translation said, it was like looking at the sun at high noon on a cloudless day. This is what Matthew 17 was about, what the transfiguration. John knew who it was. This is the glorified Christ. The glorified Christ. This is a Jesus that's saying, you have, you have marked me for the last time. You drove nails into me. You ripped my back apart. You took a curse and crushed it into my head. But the next time I come, you're not gonna, you're not gonna hurt me. That's not gonna happen. This is a one-time deal. Oh, Jesus. I know water always finds the path of least resistance. But is it possible? I know it was with manna. I know that six days a week, manna showed up. And on the sixth day, he got a double portion. That manna followed them. I know the cloud followed them and gave them shade by day and gave them heat by night. So I don't think it's a stretch. They drank of that rock that followed them, a river that followed them, quenched their thirst, not just once, but for the whole trip. And that rock was a picture of Jesus Christ. Amen. There are seven festivals in Israel. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. Someone asked me while I was gone, do you have any idea when Jesus is coming? And I said, yep, next month. Next month. Boy, I had their attention when I said that. I do, I believe that. I'll tell you why. I believe the law of the Lord is perfect. Jesus died on the Passover. On the day they celebrated Passover. Jesus was in the grave on the day they celebrated something known as unleavened bread. There's leaven is yeast, so if there's no yeast in the dough, nothing rises. That's why Jesus could not rise on the day after he was crucified because he said, as Jonah was three, not two, three days in the belly of the whale, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So the third day is known as first fruits, which was the commemoration of their exodus from Egypt. That was a big jailbreak, but I'm telling you the greatest jailbreak in the history of the world is when Jesus came out of the grave by his own power. Jesus, according to Corinthians 15, according to, what is it, chapter five, is it five and seven, Matthew, or seven? I think it's five and seven. It says, Jesus is our Passover. But in Corinthians 15, it said, every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits of them that slept. That word means nothing to you unless you study Leviticus 23. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Passover's on the 14th day, unleavened bread's on the 15th, first fruits is on the 16th. It's a three-day deal. Jesus was on the cross and is our Passover. So while them Jews are celebrating that lamb back in Egypt, Passover is hanging on a tree. They didn't get it. He's in the grave on the next day. He comes out on the third day. Acts 1 says he showed himself alive for 40 days after his passion. 
And after 40 days, he took him as far as Bethany and he said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on on high. And he left. So then you go to the next chapbook. And when the day of Pentecost, we know according to Leviticus 23, Pentecost is 50 days after first fruits. And since Jesus fulfilled first fruits at his resurrection, how long did they pray? 10 days. You got to get the 50. He's got, we got 40 of them accounted for after he resurrected. But then there's got to be 10 days of praying. Not boo-hooing and sobbing. Not just sitting there. Terry means to wait, so they just sit there. No. This is what the last verse of the book of Luke says. And they were continually in the temple. Praising and blessing God. Before the Holy Ghost ever showed up. And according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he only went, he was glorified. John 7, 39 says, Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus wasn't glorified yet, which means you can't find out about the Holy Ghost in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's after Matthew, Mark. He left. You got to find that happened after. If I don't go away, he said, the comforter's not coming. But when he left, it came 50 days after he resurrected. So according to the word, he has honored four of these first seven feasts. The first four of these seven, on the day they celebrate him. September is the next feast. It's known as trumpets. I, now you got the lunar calendar, you got the solar calendar. I don't know which September he's coming, but I got a one in four shot at this, see? And the last time I was gambling in Vegas, that was good odds. Just put that on live stream and watch how far that one goes. It's just a joke. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, harvest is over. Summer's past. We're still not saved. I do believe he's coming back because the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. I believe it. I, I, I believe he's going to fulfill the feast of trumpets. So I'm not saying be stupid 11 months of the year because he said, watch and pray. But if I had, I, I, it's going to happen one. It's going to be a spring, a summer, a fall, or when. It's one of these times, it's going to happen. I remember trying to equate that verse in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is the most depressing book in the Bible, but right in the middle of the lamenting and the weeping of Jeremiah, he said, his mercies are new every day. Greatest thy faithfulness. I remember coming here and saying, God, how in the world can I teach these people about mercy? Because it's new every day. It, literally what it means is the, the, the mercy that you and I have access to on the 14th of April, 2022, is unlike any other mercy there's ever been. That's the creative power of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you and I have access to an aspect of his mercy that's never been available before. This is a day that the Lord made. Rejoice in it. Why? I have access to mercy today that I didn't have yesterday. I'm not going to have it tomorrow, so I've got to exploit this moment. See, there are people in this room right now and watching me right now. He has custom designed this mercy on this day for your dilemma. And you're an absolute hillbilly if you don't take advantage of it. 
You're the dumbest, you're dumber than a box of rocks if you don't take advantage of the mercy of God that's being made available to you. Yeah. No. There's a lot of synagogues, but there's only one temple. They're in Jerusalem for the last feast, tabernacles. Priest took a silver pot, went down to the pool of Siloam, dipped out a pitcher of water, went back to the outer court and poured it on the ground. And it was, it was significant, symbolic of the people saying, we pour ourselves out before you, almighty God. Then they went home. They're, it's September. They're not coming back till April, Abib. It's, it's six months before they're coming back to that temple. On their way back home, there's this guy from Nazareth saying, still thirsty? You just came out of Mass for the last time this year. Did it scratch where you itch? Did that church service fix your emptiness and your thirst? I reckon not. You need to come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture. What's pastor say? No, what's the scripture say? He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, watch, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they were gonna get after he left. The word says the rock was Christ. That rock was a picture of Jesus Christ. Do you realize in Corinthians 15, Paul compared Adam in Genesis with Jesus Christ and he referred to Jesus as the last Adam. He said, now that first Adam, he was, he, he was a, a, a living soul, but that, that last Adam was a quickening spirit. And then he said, the first man is of the earth, earthy. There's gotta be something to that. He said it twice, earth, earthy. God formed man of the dust of the ground and then breathed into him the breath of life. What it's saying to us is, without the presence of God, we're just dirt. We are completely and utterly earthly. Ezekiel called it living water coming out of the house of God. It's the same thing that Jesus did in John 4. Hey, boys, go, uh, go get us some burgers and fries. I'm going to go up here and sit on this well for a minute. I'll wait for you up there, knowing what's about to happen. See, nobody drinks water in the afternoon or nobody gets water in the afternoon. Women got water in the morning and in the evening, but this is the middle of the day and there's only one reason why you draw water in the middle of the day. You don't want to be around other people. I read a book years ago and it said he's sitting on the well and the woman's coming and she's got five kids behind her and they all look like a different dad. <laughs> and he said, hey, would you get me something to drink? And she said, he said, you know, well's deep. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you doing asking me for something to drink? And this is what Jesus said in 4 and 10. Lady, 
If you knew who was asking you for something to drink, you would ask me for a drink. But not just any drink. It says, and he would have given you living water. We're not talking two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen here. We're talking about what Ezekiel saw coming out of the house of God. We're talking living water. Living water. (laughs) This is what Jesus said. Out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. What happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost? It says in Acts 2 and 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What happens when that happens? There's a crowd gathers around. It's in 8, 9, and 10. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Libya, regions round about Egypt, Cyrene, Cretes and Arabians, proselytes, 16 different nations. See, because when the Romans paved the roads, they not only made it easier for everybody to get to Rome, they made it, the book of James begins with this verse, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And when you study that Old Testament, you understand they splashed them Jews all over the world. But when Romans paved the roads, it made them easier to come back to Jerusalem for the feast. And they're there when that 120 are filled with the Holy Ghost. And this is what they said. How in the world can we hear these people speak in our own language? There's at least 16 different tongues being spoken on that day. And that crowd is saying, wait a minute, these guys never left Oakland County. How in the world do they know the language of where I came from? And we find out what the crowd was hearing because it said, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful work of God. They understood the language of the people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Lord was proving something to us then. I want everybody to hear this. I Googled it this morning. 7,100 known languages in the earth right now. They were magnifying God in a language they didn't understand. But someone was there that did understand. And they were... Do you understand the enormity and the gravity of what I just said to you? Because when you read the book of James, James has five chapters about the tongue. I used to preach a message called the little red devil behind the pearly white gates. About your tongue behind your teeth. I've seen a four inch tongue kill a man six foot tall. Life and death are in the tongue. James said a little rudder turns a big ship and a little bit turns a big horse and your tongue might not be very big but it's powerful. Powerful. (laughs) How in this world can you legitimately say Jesus Christ is in total control of your life if he has never controlled the faculty of speech? 
which is the most difficult thing to control. I'm telling you, when the Lord fills you with his spirit and praises his glory in a language you don't know, that's power. That's power. Because the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're a pot. Some translations call us a clay jar. Let me tell you, I did a Bible study years ago. I, I had a big old bag of potato chips and it said family chips. And we had that big pulpit back then. And I put it up there in that big pulpit and I cut off two inches of that bag, no chips. I cut two more inches off the bag, no chips. I cut half the bag away, no chips showing. Finally, after I cut a little bit more and we could see some chips poking out of the bag. So I read the fine print on the potato chip bag. Contents may, <laughs> may have settled due to shipping. Is there anybody in this place ever had a big full bag of pretzels? I know about pretzels. I've never had a full bag of pretzels. I've never had a full bag of chips. Every time I get one of them, you rip it open and you reach halfway down before you get the goodies. And it says, contents may have settled, but this product was vacuum packed, which means I paid for air. May have settled. Are you joking? They all settle. But there's quality control in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Luke said he'll press it down. He'll shake it. Because he wants something to happen. He wants it to run over. David understood that. My cup is not just going to be filled to the top. My cup runs over. You see, he doesn't, we say he fills you with the Holy Ghost. That's not really accurate. He does more. I was in Georgia years ago. I cut the grass. I always enjoyed cutting grass. I was cutting the grass at the church and an old guy named Jamie, Jamie, uh, I won't remember his last name now. My mom, where's my mom at? She here? John, Jamie Hughes. Nuclear, he worked on nuclear submarines. He's a physicist. He's brilliant. He's seeing me pour gas into this lawnmower. I fill it up the top and I'm getting ready to pour the lid on. He said, can I show you something, Brother Hoffman? Yeah, sure, Jamie. Give me that can. He unscrews that lid, sticks that nozzle down in there and turns it up. And it's just running all over the place. Nuclear physicist. Nuclear submarine guy. I said, what are you doing? He said, watch. And sure enough, Old grass clippings started bubbling out of that thing. Old rust that was down in the bottom of that gas thing. He said, everybody just fills it up to the top, Brother Hoffman. Every now and then you need to fill it up and keep it going. And it'll flush out that junk that's on the bottom of the, of, of the pot. You know what the word says? The word says as the furnace is for gold and the fining pot is for silver, so is a man to his praise. What it means is there needs to be a place in your praise and worship to where that thing gets so hot that that junk floats to the top so Jesus can scrape it off and see his reflection in us and Christ be formed in us. 
Have you been that hot? When's the last time you got that hot? When all that anger and bitterness and all that garbage we hang on to, hang that sledge. I did a Bible study one time, had a big old jar of iced tea. Asked the guy to drink it. Mmm, it's bitter, Brother Hubbard. I had my pocket stuffed with sugar packs. I opened, I don't know how many of them, dozens of them. I pour them into there. How's it taste? Still bitter, Brother Hoppin. I reached in my pocket, I had a big old wooden spoon. I said, watch this. And I'm stirring that sugar, man, and I give him a drink, and he goes, whoo, sweet now. I said, you know why? Because sugar don't sweeten tea. Stirring. Stirring sugar. I'm telling you, we got a lot of Holy Ghost sludge on the bottom of our spirit, ladies and gentlemen. Stir up the gift that's in you. Stir that thing up. Spring up, oh well. I don't want to just be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want it to be overflowing. I want it to wash that junk and that garbage that I've been hanging on to for way down. Am I preaching anybody bitter now? When's the last time you were renewed in the Holy Ghost? Well, you know, Pastor, this is the way I've always been. Yeah, I know, but I'm supposed to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are supposed to be passed away. All things are supposed to be new now. It don't mean hang on to the old guy and put a Band-Aid on him. It means get rid of that old guy. My precious friend Mark, watching his brother Morgan, taught me something Friday. See, our problem is we're Americans. We're in a republic. Government of the people, by the people, for the people. We vote and put in, take out. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Thy throne, O Lord, is forever. We're not talking republic here, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking kings. We're talking thrones here. He's the king. See, see, Isaiah did it very, read the Bible. In Isaiah, what, Isaiah 9, it calls him wonderful counselor, prince of peace. But when you read what Paul wrote, Paul never called him the prince of peace. He called him the king of peace. See, princes aren't gonna fix nothing, ladies and gentlemen. My wife had an architectural digest magazine years ago. I should have kept it. Opened that dude up and on the back of the cover, it said, you can have a watercolor from Prince Charles. 3,500 bucks. Chuck painted Windsor Castle. Painted, painted Balmoral over there in Scotland. Wow. Best education in the world. Painting by number, man. Would you like to buy one of my paintings? Why? Because he's a prince. And mom shows no interest in getting off that throne anytime soon. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. See, every gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I don't doubt that Satan is the prince of the air. I know who the king is. We're so hung up on the prince. I'm telling you, Satan a lot of times just painting watercolors. Because the only way he's ever going to be king is if somebody abdicates or somebody dies and he said, I am he that was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. And the Bible said, the Lord Almighty Omnipotent reigneth. 
These are present progressive verbs in, in Greek. It means he's doing it and he's going to keep on doing it. That's why it says if you put him on the throne, you've got to turn him from the prince to the king. And every time in the Bible when you deal with thrones, there's always something close to the throne. That's the altar. And the altar is a place where you die. You want, you, 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 you're not, he's not going to be king in your life until you die out to your own will. I am not afraid of devils, ladies and gentlemen. I have biblical authority to cast out devils. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm terrified of unsanctified flesh. I can't cast you out of you. I can't cast out bitterness. I can't cast out hatred. I can't cast out malice. I can't cast out strife. That's, a, that's you. You're going to have to find a place of forgiveness. Because this is what the Lord said to me. And not just me, to several others. You always want me to show you your power. You always want me to show you my power. He said, but you don't want to obey my purpose. If you would fulfill my purpose, I'll show you my power. But I'm not showing you my power until you do what I asked you to do. Oh God, do this and do that. Do you understand there's an answer to a prayer called no? We, we were praying. No, you weren't. You were just arguing with Jesus and getting him to try and see it your way. Not my will. Thine be done. Thy kingdom come. Not mine. You know what prayer and fasting is all about? I know it says his will's not our, or his, his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. But Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that we can get the mind of Christ. We can see it his way if we'll quit trying to convince him to see it our way. No, my way isn't his way, but I can see it his way if I'll die out on that altar, amen, and find my way to the throne and say, I'm gonna make you king. I'm going to make you king of my life. I told my kids years ago, I'm the boss, you're the applesauce. Brittany was three. She was just learning to speak. She said, I'm boss, you're applesauce. And I know a lot of apostolics that are like that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are servants of Jesus Christ. Do your homework. Greek word for servant is doulos, best translated slave. He's the king, I'm the slave. He's the boss. I'm the applesauce. I'm not here. John did it. Pastor John did it like a week ago. And I I just listened. I was stunned with what he said. It's just pray whatever you want. But if all of a sudden he says no, Paul said three times. And he said, nope, I'm not hearing you. Okay. It's like, like tennis. Game, set, match. Done. Master said no, it's over. You know, you're a parent. What part of no don't you understand? You realize how frustrated Jesus is? Nope. Oh, come on. You know, you die out to your will. You make him king of peace. And if you'll do that, and of the increase of peace, there'll be no end. That only happens if his government starts spreading in your life and begins to take every part of your life over. All of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your ambitions, all of your fears, all of your failures. 
put him on the throne over all of that. I give it to you, Jesus. I give you all of me. I give you the living room, the kitchen, the basement, attic, give you the backyard, give you all. Here you go, Lord. I don't want to be Moses. Here I am, Lord, send Aaron. Ladies and gentlemen, when those people began to speak with tongues and were filled to overflowing, they're a pot, a vessel. You know what I think stammering lips is? I think it's the Lord. I think that's pressure building up inside. It's like a, what do they call that? It's a quake. Nothing blew up yet. But it, I, th- I think that's God. Pressing that down, saying, "I'm gonna fill these people. I'm not gonna get no drip, drip, no, 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 no seep. When they, I want them to get the real Holy Ghost there. Did you ever see anybody get the real Holy Ghost? I mean, the real deal, man. I, it, it just blow. It's a river. You want to know why those people spoke with tongues? I'll tell you why. Because Peter, he didn't. I've been preaching for 45 minutes. Peter preached five, and then he said. Guess who that guy was on the middle cross 50 days ago? Messiah. Verse 36, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And he said, what are we going to do now? We've been waiting for years. You mean the guy from Nazareth? That was him. It's okay. He left you a plan. You need to repent and be baptized in his name. And he'll fill you with his spirit. Watch. And then they that gladly, boy, is that fun if you're preaching. Whole difference when you got a crowd that gladly receives the word. Gladly receives the word. 3,000 souls. Why were they added? How were they added? It was the prophecy of Jesus. Because in the beginning, the water flowed out of the rock. And it says, and the rock was Christ. So on the day of Pentecost, at water, David said, there is a river. It's really there. There is a river. And the streams will make you happy. You get that river, it'll make you glad. I never saw this until this morning. See, when the water comes out of the Lord into me, that's not the end. The water needs to flow out. Because when you read so many of these places, that water was flowing in. But that's not what Jesus said. He wasn't talking about the water coming in. He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's not a one-way street. He did not intend for his spirit just to come into us and be corralled and cooped up in our little Pentecostal world. The real Holy Ghost flows. The real Holy Ghost flows. Too many Pentecostals have turned the river into a pond. I'll tell you how you turn the river into a pond. 
You just need a lot of dirt. And that's why the Bible said, don't quench the spirit. (laughs) Don't quench the spirit. It's why Jesus said, freely you have received. Now freely give away. Just run around Jerusalem all you want and say, we had 120 people get the Holy Ghost today. You could have had 3,120 filled with the Holy Ghost if you'd let that thing out. That's why Titus says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. My God, have mercy. Do you understand that every time There's covenants in the Bible. There are at least seven covenants in the Bible. I believe that covenants have to satisfy three requirements. Every covenant I've ever studied in the Bible. First of all, there was always spoken words. The next thing, blood was always shed. And the third thing, there was always a sign, a seal, or a token of that covenant. God made a covenant with Noah and he said this, I will never destroy the world again by water. And then Noah offered sacrifices. The blood was shed. And then he said, I'm going to set my bow in the clouds and it's going to be a token of the covenant between me and you. God made a covenant with Abraham and circumcision is the sign of that covenant. So you come to the New Testament And there's got to be words so you have the teachings of Jesus. But you got to get some blood. And you get that at the cross. But a covenant is not content and not fulfilled until you get a sign or a seal or a token of the covenant. That's why when you read Corinthians 14, it said tongues are a sign. Not to the believer, but to the unbeliever. As long as there's one more believer on this planet, people are going to keep speaking in tongues. Because maybe, just maybe, 7,100 different languages. He's going to get that message out. He's going to get that message out. He's going to get that message out. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go to this church and be lost. A lot of people call me pastor. Really? Really am I your pastor? I'm a preacher to some people. But if you call me pastor, you're trusting me with the bluest of your blue chips. You're trusting me with your soul, your eternal soul. Now, some people don't trust me with that, and that's why. Do not go to a church that you don't trust the leadership. Go somewhere where you trust the leadership. But don't go to this church if you don't trust me. I got feet of clay. I'll be the first one to admit my mistakes if you'd be willing to admit yours. And I think that's what this thing is all about. Find a place of forgiveness and a plan of reset. My job is to, to somehow mimic Jesus to you, but I am not Jesus. People say, I go to Brother Hoffman Church. Okay, I, never, I don't rub your nose in this, and I don't do it often, but for God's sakes, I've been called to be your pastor. Please do not misinterpret my kindness for weakness. I don't want you to sit on these pews and be lost. <laughs> When was the last time that river sprung up in you? Because this is not just about you. There's somebody else there that needs the Holy Ghost. 
you got to splash over onto them. They got to hear you speak with tongues. It's a sign for them, not for Pentecostals. We're talking in tongues to one another. It's for the world. It's for this community. That's the revelation of the river. That river is massive. It's not just meant to feed my kids. It's meant to feed the whole tribe. It's meant to feed the whole country. It's all the cows and all the chickens and all the, all the, it's my God, what a river, what a river. I have underestimated the power of the Holy Ghost. I've underestimated the power. I was talking to a precious man taking me into an airport. I knew I was ministering to him. Brother Hoffman, would you, would you, I, I feel, I said, my brother, what you and I are doing in this truck right now is more biblical than probably most of the stuff in that Bible. There's no pews in that Bible. There's no steeple in that Bible. This is what Jesus did. He just sat down and talked to people. I said, do you understand the power in this truck right now? And he said, I don't know, Brother Hobbin. I said, 10,000 is what is in here. What we're we doing right now you and I have the ability to overcome 10,000 opponents because we are bound together. One puts 1,000 to flight, but two, 10,000. His eyes lit up. I said, do you understand in the book of Revelation it said that the number of the angels was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So I did that one time. I multiplied 10,000 times 10,000. Then I multiplied it times 2,000, thousands plural, and 2,000 again. I came up with this massive number, 400 trillion, 12 zeros. It's a big number. It's the number of angels after Satan left. Revelation 12 said the tail drew a third of the stars when he fell. Revelation 1 and 20 said the stars are the angels. So if there's 400 trillion after he left. He took 200 trillion with him. One puts 1,000 to flight. Two puts 10,000. Three does 100,000. Four does a million. Five does 10 million. Six does 100 million. Seven does a billion. Can we get a dozen? Can we get 12? If we can get 12 people united and band together, we have enough unity and enough dynamic power within that group to withstand every demonic force on the planet. Stop clapping. Come out of your pews. Come out of your pews. Have you ever been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why tarry now? Rise. Let's get baptized today. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You can have the Holy Ghost baptism today. But I'll tell you what. I sure don't want somebody getting the Holy Ghost in a quiet church. It just so helps when people who claim to have the Holy Ghost will let that thing overflow. And all of a sudden, all them people looking going, what, is, what does this mean? It's for you. It's for, you know why I'm talking in tongues? For this city. I'm not talking to impress you. I'm not talking to sound good. 
I'm talking in tongues for Michigan. I'm talking in tongues for America. I'm talking in tongues. I had a friend yesterday and he said, I want to put, he said, I've been criticized, Brother Hoffman, but I want to put billions back in our language. People say, oh, don't say that. I just heard that Apple's going to be the first trillion dollar company. All of a sudden it was millions and then billions and now we're tossing trillions. I'm telling you, when you deal with demons and angels, it's trillions. Oh God, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we ask or think. So whatever you think and whatever you say, that's where you set the bar. He'll exceed what you think. You might, you might say it and then you're just afraid to even say it, but you think it. Okay, then at least think. Think big stuff. <laughs> Why? Because he's going to exceed whatever I talk about, whatever I think about. So I ask you to join me today and I want to talk big stuff. And I want to think big stuff. I want to set the bar high. I want... I want to move into a church without a mortgage. Oh, that's not possible. Really? I think that's possible. I really do. Can you think that high with me? Can you think that high with me? Can you get to a point where you understand that it's the will of God for We're never going to build a building big enough to be able to hold what God wants us to do. This is going to be a place to go from, not just a place to come to. Quit claiming the Holy Ghost and that thing's not flowed out of you for a long time. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. There's somebody three feet behind you that needs the Holy Ghost, or at the minimum needs renewed in the Holy Ghost. Come on and bind with me. There is a river. It's not supposed to just go in. It's supposed to come out of us. And that same river that fed millions years ago can come out of your belly and my belly right now. Same river. <laughs> You got quiet. Don't get quiet. For God's sake, don't get quiet. Come on. Amen. Put him on the throne. Come on. Come on. Your dreams. This is what I want to do. Really? Have you filtered that through an altar? Have you laid that and died out to it on an altar? Well, this is what I want. When's the best? Most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. I don't want to just see your power. I want to obey your purpose. I want to please you with my life. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost through overflowing. Full of the Holy Ghost and overflow.